Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, co- hosting alongside Lucas, Aiden, Bart, and Jared. In this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of, a lot of college football. We're going to give out our BCTOTW. We'll get more into that. Ohio State versus Michigan and USC versus Notre Dame. But before we do that, let's start with some of the news that we missed. Uh, notable college outcomes. South Carolina ends up upsetting Clemson with a hilarious Twitter post as well. Spencer Rattler has redeemed himself and Dabo Sweeney <laughs> has not. So what a game. Yeah. And South Carolina, I've seen as a likely bowl opponent for Notre Dame too, which would be kind of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Are you talking about the, the one where they posted a uh, picture of like the tiger skin on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in, in a meme in relation to what Clemson originally had posted. Which all time embarrassing to trash talk on social media. Which I know that like Davos when he's not cooking up these tweets, but um, <laughs> it's always bad when social media teams end up embarrassing each other. Mm-hmm. Speaking of embarrassing, Texas and A and M ends up upsetting LSU and uh, pretty much uh, destroying Brian Kelly's glory season at LSU. I would say. <laughs> Any other takeaways from this game? Nine and three is not even that good of a record. <laughs> what? I don't know about that. That's a pr- no, that's I'm a great kidding, record. I'm okay, I'm, I'm kidding. For I'm first kidding. year in the SEC, that's a that's a very good record. I think. Yeah, no. I mean, tough look. I would have been a little wary of them being led into the playoff as yeah. a two win team, as a two loss team, regardless. So I'm glad we yeah. don't even have to have that conversation now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like things worked out quite nicely for the playoff committee, or just like. It's pretty easy well, decision, at least at the moment. You know, the whole USC yeah, thing could become messy, but I don't know. I think that, yeah. I think it's like, regardless of what happens, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU are in. Yes. They and then be. if if USC wins, they'll be in. Mm-hmm. If they lose, it'll be Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Bama? Exactly. Bama? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was the top four came out. Uh, tonight as we're recording Tuesday night, and it is, um, right, uh, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC are the top four. Yeah. Yeah. What an absolute spoiler to my next bullet bullet point. Uh, there were new rankings today: Georgia, Michigan, <laughs> TCU, and USC. How about that? With Ohio State at five and Bama at six, and Notre Dame at twenty-one. Yeah, ooh. We're the highest four ranked team, right? <laughs> or four lost team, right? Hey. No, South Carolina and Texas are ahead. Are you kidding? The committee loves Texas. We're heading the AP, Thank though, you. I thought. We are, yeah. Yeah. But I only care about the AP at this point. Committee means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All we care about is AP, right? <laughs> uh, Michigan's quarterback or backup quarterback now, Cade, Cade McNam. I feel like I, I McNamara. I I had memorized it before he started the show, and I completely <laughs> forgot as I was reading. Cade McNamara has entered the transfer portal. Possibly, I saw 
some buzz on on our Twitter feed since my Twitter feed is entirely Notre Dame or New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, He's going I, to I saw Giants. some buzz that <laughs> that he might be the next. You know, the, the Notre Dame might try to hit the transfer portal for this guy. What do we think? Yeah, I was in favor of that. Yeah, I mean, he was between Michigan and Notre Dame apparently when he was originally recruited. So feels like he's a shot. Right. Uh, I don't know. He he like I don't know. He's probably he's an upgrade, but got. like he's yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's the long term answer. What about uh, quarterback Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, who also entered the transfer portal as well? Another name that I Ooh. saw via my um, poisoned feed of Notre Dame and and in the New York Giants. Poison. It's that's all it is. Relax. I don't even get anything funny. It's just those two <laughs> very serious yeah. tweets. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I also saw that Hudson Card from Texas. Enter the transfer portal. He lost the job to. He was the one who lost the job to Quinn Ewers. So mm-hmm. a bunch of that job eligible QBs. Yeah, he was not getting that job. But yeah, he was, he was never. <laughs> not, not exactly. There's but no window yeah. for opportunity for him here there at Texas anymore. <laughs> Sorry, dude. He has acknowledged that. Um, anyway, yeah, exactly. With Quinn Ewers and then Arch Manning. So tough. Anyway. Mm, not looking good. Um, can we throw some football into the news we missed? You got to let me get through these bullet points here, Lucas. Uh, <laughs> Team <sorry>. USA <laughs> wins the World Cup. Or at least that's what it felt like. That we advanced to the round of 16. I, I was watching the game. Everyone was ecstatic. Um, yeah. And our Super Bowl, or our, our championship was basically our tie against England. And everything else from here is like, it's, it's like we're just happy to be here from here on out. Lucas, do you have more to throw into that? No. Uh, US plays the Netherlands on Saturday in the first uh, knockout game. So I'm excited for it. Well, it's been a good run. I was watching. Uh, we are we are awful. I was watching us play awful. today. No, we our are defense is pretty awful. good. Yeah, but our offense the, is the is... second half was awful today. <clears throat> the first half, just like watching no, them. Switch, you know? Also, yeah. the if I had a dollar for every time the FIFA World Cup logo popped up on my screen to then show <laughs> me a, an instant replay of something that didn't happen, I wouldn't have made it to the podcast today. I'd be on a flight to Mexico. They're like they stopped the game so much to show me this non-contact or like the guy who falls and he has to grab his ankle or replay. Is this a penalty? Is not it is borderline unwatchable for me because there was <laughs> in this game maybe in particular there were nine minutes total of stoppage time throughout this entire game. That's insane. That seemed like a lot. Yeah, I don't, it's I, don't I know, know it's a lot. Like that much, but uh, they were kind of laughing about it. I think on the broadcast, but like it's it's insane. Like that was it was borderline yeah. unwatchable. With how many times they had to stop for an in, for an yeah. injury, I say with quotes. I, I also saw that apparently FIFA has been telling refs to add more stoppage time to give people like the mm-hmm. quote was something like more entertainment or something, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> just, sounds like FIFA. But. Yeah. Well, the thing is too is that like they act like they they've done statistical analysis on this, and like they always yeah. put way less stoppage time than they actually should. So that, like I think they're actually doing it correctly this World Cup. Mm. Yeah, in reality, shouldn't they be adding like 15 minutes a half or something? It's yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Because you talk about all the time, like the ball is stopped. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a lot. Anytime there's any kind I, of like stopped play, they like, it's a minute of everybody walking around, talking to each other. And I'm like, yeah. Like begging to the ref. It's a game yeah. that feels like it's begging for more physicality, but it won't let itself happen. I think that there needs to be a little more bumps and bruises. And there was only one time where I was like, oof, that looks pretty bad. 
but why it wants that more was fights. when the, this is not new. Uh, yeah. more fights at least yeah <laughs> especially between countries that'll be great um <laughs> okay we're yeah, gonna go into our first clear in the world <laughs> yeah we'll diplomatic cup. relations cut off yeah <laughs> um we're gonna go into our first segment the bctotw which stands for blue collar team of the week it is an award that we have given out every single week of college football so far it started last year um we like to name blue collar teams teams that we feel like fit the ethos of not only the show but you know represent the blue collar workers out there in a tough gritty win or maybe loss lucas why don't you go ahead and take it away go ahead and name our bctotw and our lunch pail guy of the week as well yeah so this is something you know we talk about announcers always used to love that mantra of teams are blue collar and so it's up to me this week to pick a team that sort of embodies that mentality. And I'm going to go with the North Carolina State Wolfpack uh, with their 30-27 win over their in-state rivals, UNC. Again, like I said, when announcers talk about blue-collar football, they talk about scrappy good teams, good defenses, grid-out wins. I think that's what you had in NC State this weekend. UNC has a great quarterback, Drake May. Um, they pretty much shut him down as much as you can really do to him. He only went 29 of 49, not a great completion percentage. And they came back from university too. They surrendered multiple leads throughout the game and eventually came back for a nice win. That makes North Carolina state for me, the blue collar team of the week for the LPGOTW or the lunch pail guy of the week <laughs> as we are creating a new acronym for it. Um, just like the BCTOTW, the LPGOTW embodies, you know, a greediness in play that. <laughs> is often, you know, sort of associated with somebody who helps out a rushing attack, really ground and pound. And for that reason, I'm going with Michigan running back Donovan Edwards, who helped Michigan take down Ohio State um, behind 216 yards rushing, crazy number, <laughs> and 22 carries. Those are absolutely put the team on your back, grind out a win type numbers. And for that reason, Donovan Edwards is my LPGOTW or lunch bell guy of the week. Yeah, Lucas, the first half of that was really good. Um, our next, <laughs> I don't know if we actually really, we, I don't know how interested we might, we're talking about this segment, so this might be pretty quick. Ohio State versus Michigan. Uh, Ohio State lost to Michigan for the second straight year. Quarterback CJ Stroud now has never beaten Michigan or won a Big Ten championship. So, Jared, I'm going to ask you this and be nice. What should we make of CJ Stroud, Ryan Day, and this Ohio State team? I don't think Ryan Day is as great of a coach as everyone thinks he is, and that is Ohio State record shows. He's been outcoached now tw two years in a row by Jim Harbaugh in the game, and in games where he faces talent that is close to his team level, not even better, but teams that are just close to his talent, he can't coach above it. So Ohio State's the third most talented team in the nation, according to the 247 team talent composite. They have 14 five-star players on their roster. Michigan has three. 14th most talented team, and they beat them two years in a row now. 2021, Ohio State, again, third most talented team. They lost to Oregon, who was the ninth most talented team. Only had four or five-star people on the roster, while Ohio State had like 16 that year. Um, 2019, go back to that when they lost to Clemson. They made the playoffs, credit to them. Lost to Clemson, though, again, technically not more talented than them in terms of the players they're bringing in. <laughs> So that means Ryan Day is not coaching up to the ability of the players he's able to recruit in. Maybe he is a good recruiter. I think it might just be the brand and maybe his position coaches that are doing most of it for him, but I digress. He was given a really good program by Urban Meyer, perennial national championship team, and I don't think he's elevated that team in any way since he's been the head coach. 
especially when he plays teams that are comparable to to their level. Yeah, I agree with that. And in my notes that I was writing about levels, I think you can make the argument that, well, obviously Ohio State is an elite program. I think you could say it's maybe closer to Notre Dame than it is to Georgia in terms of like its level of achievement and talent level. Like, I mean, you think you saw it when those two teams played each other earlier this year, and it was a relatively even match, I would say, with Ohio State just kind of squeaking out a win win at the end. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do, um, again, with like maybe days coaching and then just sort of underachieving um, at this point. And I don't know, we'll see. But I think just in terms of like pure performance, like they haven't won a title since that first college football playoff. They've, you know, come up short on the big stage a lot, not even making the playoffs, losing to Michigan in the last two years. I think that's like a performance level that you associate more with like a Notre Dame type program. Um, I'm trying to think of other sort of comparable programs, but none are really coming to the top of my head. Um, maybe like an Oklahoma, I guess, type program yeah. before they went six and six this year. Then you would a Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, you know, that sort of range of teams. How many games has Notre Dame and Oklahoma played in the college football championship game? How many, how many times have they played in that? Probably not. Right, we're not talking. No, 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 no. But to say, but to say they're on the same, no, no, to say they're on the same level as Ohio State when Ryan Day was competing for a championship in 2019 is stupid. It's low hanging fruit to say that Ryan Day is is no longer a great coach. It's incredibly wrong, Jared. And your stupid recruiting five star, <laughs> like the thing that you like to hang on to, that is that has, holds no weight here. Team talent composite can kiss my ass as far as who's a five star recruit and who's not. Because it's it's so arbitrary to kids and their exposure via social media, their private school, whether they're a private school program or not, or you know, location if they're a California kid or a Texas kid. Because we know that stars mean nothing in comparison to what who actually produces. And there are tons of players in the NFL who are not highly starred players like Patrick Mahomes, ever heard of him? Josh Allen, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, guys like that who have who, did, who were not five-star recruits and ended up being obviously the best players at their position at the highest level. So to say that he has 14 five-star recruits, get real. None of that matters. None of that ever matters. And he is, he's right now, he is 45 and five as a head coach in his first 50 games. He has losses in the Fiesta Bowl to Clemson. Cool. And the college football championship to Alabama. Right. And then of course the last two years, Oregon and Michigan and Michigan this year, which I will admit are, are down years for Ohio State standards, but to put college playoff games and college championship games as like a he can't compete with these guys is is ludicrous. He can't. It's ludicrous. He's one and two in playoff games. There's nothing subjective about losing to Michigan two years in a row and going one and two in the playoffs. Jared, <laughs> Brian Kelly was <laughs> Brian Kelly was thirty one and nineteen in his first. Why 50. you can't just Brian, keep bringing it? We're not talking about no, Notre Dame. No, no, We're not no, talking no, about no, Brian no, Kelly. No. You can't just keep. Bringing you guys it want to here. put him on a level? Brian Kelly was thirty one and nineteen in his first fifty starts or first fifty games he's coached. And Nick Dave, Nick Saban was twenty nine and twenty one. Dabasuni was thirty one and nineteen. And Urban Meyer was and I didn't do it. I only did for his his ten years at Ohio State is forty seven and three, which is pretty comparable to to what Ryan Day has done so far. And just to talk about yeah, but that's and the, back that's to the back. Point, in, in, he was gifted in back to Ryan back Day losses. Was gifted a forty-seven and three. Michigan has never been this good. Urban Meyer. Michigan has never been this good in in, in Urban Meyer's entire time. <laughs> they never finished a season ranked in the top ten or above the top ten. They were tenth once. Harbaugh was there for four of the matchups. Harbaugh was going to get fired, and they uniquely built a team 
to beat this Ohio State team, which I'll admit they did a good job doing. Ohio State has to get better in the trenches. We borrowed a lot from our secondary to stop the run, which means we had to play a lot of man coverage and our corners are not good enough for it. But to, to say that now he's no longer a great, great, great coach, Michigan has never been this good, ever. They have been dog water for years. And now all of well, that's, a sudden, that's and now point, all though. of a sudden, it doesn't, it's not now we want to be the team Jared, that's dog Make sure you <laughs> apply for a job at Tennessee if you want to move the goalpost so much because they might need your help for it. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> Too bad it's wrong and has nothing to do with. Together. Too bad it's wrong and has nothing to do with the argument. But why does it not? Michigan has never been this good. And Day yeah, Day has seven wins when against top ten teams, teams. He doesn't. He has seven wins against top ten teams in his first fifty. Where did they finish the season though? That's why I want. So Michigan, Michigan State. He they were seven at the time. They finished ninth. And he beat Utah uh, last year. Never ranked number ten in a bowl game. In 2020, the COVID year, he beat Michigan, or excuse me, not Michigan, Indiana, who was ranked ninth and number two, Clemson. And in 2019, he beat 10th, Michigan, 10, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, and nine, Penn State, all in a run. They're not Do you want me to read of, of more stats oh, yeah. for you? Since 2018, Ryan Day had 40 players drafted in the NFL. Ryan Day has never had a season that was less than 11 wins. Yeah, he is exactly who you want as a head coach. He's exactly who you want as a head coach. Okay, I'll take. If you, okay, if you fine. Wanna, you can take Marcus Freeman. What does it say about Marcus Freeman now that they were eleven and two last year and they're finishing eight and four this year? What does that say? If, if Ryan Day is no longer Ohio a great State coach, Marcus CJ Freeman Stroud, is Heisman, fired. He should lose his job if that's the standard. <laughs> oh my god! Why you're getting off the rails here? I'm not. I'm holding you to your standards. <laughs> No, the standards are not the same for every coach. Yes, they are. No, they're not. When you have C.J. Stroud, a Heisman-level candidate who's about to be a top-three draft pick or whatever he's going to be, that's not the same as Drew Pine being your quarterback. Did, uh, didn't Brian Kelly have that same guy? He had freaking Jack Cohn. Oh, that's right. Way better. He was way J- better. Jack Cohn was not a Heisman quarterback. I saw somebody put it in a funny way. They said that. Ohio State's going to have six first-round picks this year, and this is still all they have to show for it. I think you can definitely make an argument that Ryan Day has underperformed as the coach. I'm, I agree with Jared, but I do see what you're saying, Wyatt. I don't think it's that black and white, but I feel like with all that talent, they should have been better this year. It should have cut a what? A, there have been plenty of talented teams that, <laughs> that have lost in years past. Yeah, but eventually they win. Like that used to be Georgia. That used to be Georgia's rapid. Eventually they they won. And they've had the same amount of time. Have they? Aren't you? Or you're the guy who you're the guy who's here, like. But. It took Dabo Sweeney eight years to finally win. Where is that patience? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying don't give Ryan Day more time. I'm just saying he's under. I'm saying they're they're gonna finish in the top five this year, right? And if they they in the next college football playoff system or whatever they will never miss the playoffs i'm gonna call it now but like i mean as of right now like they they finish where teams wish they could finish every year except for the four teams that are going to be in the playoff <laughs> i mean they could when's still the last, be in the I playoff mean, but, <laughs> you're not wrong yeah, yeah. i mean T- tcu may may never get back there again and they would wish that they had Ohio State's tenure over the last five years or so. Yeah, and T- but TCU is overachieving. 
They're doing it. They're doing more with life. Yeah. Then if Ohio State is now overrated or slash an underdog or whatever against a team like Michigan, it's exactly where I want to be because we're going to revisit this next <laughs> okay. year when we when we wipe the floor with Michigan. I don't know. I think Ryan Day still deserves credit for even maintaining the Urban Meyer level of success. Like I get that Meyer did win a championship, but I mean, you look at other teams years based ago. on like talent composite, like Texas A&M and those kind of teams. We've, we've seen talented teams fail before. I understand that it means something. You also see Bama and Georgia at the top, um, but it's not like, a, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good. We've seen teams fail at that. Um, so I, I can't in good faith say Ryan Day is underperforming. I will take it. Let's <clears throat> just additional question for the rest of the group. How much should CJ Stroud shortcoming? I, we opened the segment saying that he has never won a big 10 championship. He has never beaten Michigan um, in his years as, as the starting quarterback. How much should this affect his draft stock coming into the draft in April? Not much. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't know. He probably won't I've seen, yeah. I've seen mock drafts where he drops below Will Levis. And he's a, that would be and, he, fall, and he at least falls out of the top five. Will Levis is the quarterback that gets hyped up every year for having like the tools, a, but it's just I I can I will book that Will Levis fails. In the I NFL. won't. I actually I actually <laughs> really like him, but he's got he's gonna <laughs> really? yeah, he's got he's got all the tools. He's big. He's got a huge <laughs> arm. I mean, like I know like last Why, look it, we're gonna talk about this when we talk about Zach Wilson in the next one. Is that exactly. nobody has the yes. tool? Nobody ever has the tools. You know, they want to fall in love with. Well, he's got the big arm, or he's got. You know, he can run forever. Will Levis has all of those, and I know that his college tape isn't fantastic. Who gives a rip about college wins and losses when you drafted a player into the NFL? But like, he has all of the tools to say that. Oh, if he pans out and he has the mindset, he can become a great quarterback. And of course, you interview him to see if he has a good mindset. But I like. I mean, I like him. But he's gonna he's gonna be the guy in the draft that has that one roll out throw across the body and that gets him drafted within the top three. Mm -hmm. I know he will. Mm -hmm. And that's, but that's the whole thing of like the scouts love to overthink it where look at Justin Fields, for example, I feel like he's probably the best quarterback in that class right now. And it's just like, if you just didn't overthink it, the jets could have taken him at two, but now they have Zach Wilson. Trey Lance Mm -hmm. barely is even playing for the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I don't think they should overthink it so much. But And we've also yeah. seen I feel like the success of Jalen Hurts, Tua, uh Jalen and Tua specifically shows that you can be on like a juggernaut of a team and still be a really good NFL quarterback. That shouldn't be like a strike against you. Okay. If you also Justin play Fields. Well. You know? Yeah, Justin Fields. Yeah, Justin Fields too. The juggernaut Bears. <laughs> Or do you mean in college? No, no, I mean they, that you can oh. play on a juggernaut college team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My bad. I was being cheeky. No. <laughs> I don't know. I do, yeah, I do think it's difficult, though, at a school like Ohio State to differentiate sometimes. You don't especially drop given the helmet. That it's, you, you know, wide receiver you kind of thing. Like, I mean, Dwayne Haskins wasn't that great. Obviously, rest in peace. No, but, you don't drop you know, the helmet. Like, you drop the player. Fields they're, is, yeah, yeah. There yeah. are so, plenty of players who I are just like haven't been, airheads, and they can't, they can't get their yeah. team together. Yeah, it's just not clear to me yet that C.J. Stroud is, like, you know, not great just because of his system or great because of his talent. Um, he, he doesn't wow me anywhere near the, the way that Caleb Williams, who we'll talk about later, does. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a good segue into our next segment. Uh, Notre Dame and USC played. was not very close. USC defeats Notre Dame. Caleb Williams, the Super Bowl ready to be born, is uh, he throws four <laughs> touchdowns, and the Trojans almost certainly propel themselves into the college football playoff contention. They're obviously four right now. They just have to beat Utah, and they're locked. Um, we're going to, Lucas, I'm going to throw this to you first, but I'm going to kind of run something by everybody here just so we can all kind of be on the same page of what's going on. Yeah. Can I bring an issue to the fact that I don't know if this is necessarily a slam dunk hire for USC. Oh. Um, what? in the sense that he has to one, build the program from the ground up and he's never done that. Um, he was handed like the keys to a mansion by Bob Stoops <laughs> coming in, like a program that had consistently won. For over a decade, a team that was consistently within cultural playoff contention. And every single year he coached, we forget this, Oklahoma has gotten worse. In- we could just stop it right there. Lucas, uh, we're yeah, going to start with it. you here on this segment. <laughs> um, one, you owe Lincoln Riley an apology. And two, is this the new expectation for first-year head coaches? And how dangerous is this USC team going into the playoffs? Okay, I'll start off by saying I'm sorry, Lincoln, that I doubted you. You did very well this year, and I'm proud of you, and I reel back anything that I said. Um, in any case, does this set the new expectation for your head coaches? I think to some extent, yes. But I think, obviously, he's in a very particular set of circumstances here. Um, USC is a prestige program who got a prestige head coach. Um it's in California that automatically raises the possibility of what you can do in the first season. But while these are unique circumstances, I think that to some extent this does show that there should be in the area of transfer portals and NIL sort of a heightened expectation of what you can do in your first year as head coach. There's not the, you know, necessarily you have to like build from the ground up anymore. You don't have to like recruit your guys, wait for them to be freshmen and develop until the juniors and seniors. You can build a winner almost immediately if you can recruit well enough. Um, from other schools via the transfer portal because you can you know plan out immediately and if you can attract those guys because of nil stuff and i think lincoln riley did an excellent job at that i think there's a very narrow set of schools for which this is true like i don't think if you get hired at you know one of the not top 10 15 programs you could do what lincoln riley did but i think if you get hired at any one of you know those big programs the alabama the georgia the USC, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, the big names of college football. It's a reasonable expectation for you to do what you did here. You have some sort of charisma, some sort of attraction for people coming to your program. You recruit them via the transfer portal and NIL, and you just, like, are immediately a competitor after not being there before. Um, so in that sense, I think, yeah, he did set a new expectation for future coaches of those who are at a certain type of program. Do I expect, like, you know, a Purdue or a South Carolina or, a, uh, you know, a program who's, like, good but not great to be able to make this leap immediately? No, because there's not the prestige behind it. But I think even there, like, the expectations in your first year and across all programs are sort of higher than they used to be because you no longer sort of have to wait to develop talent necessarily if you can attract it via the transfer portal. How dangerous is USC? I think about as dangerous as Caleb Williams will be in any one game. I think that he, like, the, he's the engine behind their team. He is so much fun to watch. Like, I I can't even hate. Like, I, I was watching that game at points just, like, in awe of what he can do. And, you know, it's it's the East Coast bias, but I haven't seen him play once all year. Um, so I really don't think I knew how good he was. And he was excellent. The defense is a struggle. I mean, I think they're bottom 15 in, like, yards allowed per game. 
Um, and that's okay when you're playing Notre Dame's not great offense, but when you're in the playoffs and playing a much better team, then it becomes more of an issue. But I still think there's a chance with like if there's some Williams magic that USC can make a run at least into the title game. But we'll see. I'll come to Lucas's defense just a little bit actually <clears throat> on his original Lincoln Rally take. He still hasn't done anything that he wasn't already doing at Oklahoma. I mean, like yes, he has to win the the conference title, but he still has not yet to win a playoff game. If if they win a playoff game, then Lincoln Riley and USC would have had like taken a a major step. But I'm I'm a bitter fan right now, so I definitely was. It is fun to watch Caleb Williams, but not when he's dancing on your team. I hated watching that, but. They um they still avoided all of the other good Pac-12 teams. Like Notre Dame, you know, we were fine. We we're not that good of the year, but they didn't play any of the good Pac-12 North teams. Like, well, they played Oregon State, but that was their closest game, and then they lost to Utah. If they beat Utah twice, I'll be I'll be very impressed. Well, didn't they to... lose? To yeah, Utah so didn't they lose the first time? To... Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. If they beat Utah in this Pac-12 yeah. championship, I'll be very impressed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like. This was USC's best year since the Pete Carroll era, right? So it's a leap to me, regardless of mm-hmm. kind of what happens here. Yeah. I understand that it's a coach coming, like, you know, in Lincoln Riley's career, yes, his block has always been winning the playoff game. But in this new context, that's a pretty serious leap for a program to have their best year in, I don't know, 13, 14 years in his first season. I understand he brought with him a ton of talent. And, it's, you know, one person in particular could be highly responsible for all this but if you're, if you're usc you're feeling pretty good right now yeah at the very least you get caleb williams for one more year right so it's not like yeah. this is all over you know and he has to have one good run and, and then that's it and especially for usc and lincoln riley lincoln riley has proven that he can recruit high level quarterbacks in college um again and again and again this is not his first rodeo with the heisman level quarterback Obviously, Kyler and Baker have done it before. Jalen Hurts was pretty dang close as well, even though he got him through the transfer portal. So it's not like it's not like that USC is going to be dead in the water and this is just one special run. I really do believe that UC, USC will continue to be dangerous going forward, even when they have to play in the Big Ten and play a Big Ten schedule. Uh, they're they're going to be a fantastic team just because of their demographic, their unique recruiting backyard, um, and, and their ability to do all that. With all that being said, this is absolutely the new head coaching standard for guys who end up on programs like USC. And and like Lucas said, if you go to Purdue or South Carolina, and I wrote down Colorado, WSU, or Duke, like you're like you like I get you're a D one program. Yeah, Colorado's miles behind. Nah, dude, Colorado's where coaches go <laughs> That's to the die. rebuild of all rebuilds. It's where it's where coaches' careers go to die. Nobody nobody succeeds at Colorado. Um, but they're all D one programs that you know you you're like you just want to do your best and hopefully make a bowl game or hopefully you win eight and nine games a year. But when you go to a place with with resources like USC, between the money, between the brand recognition, between the ability to get guys through the transfer portal and the NIL deals, it is college football is very uniquely set up today to where a guy doesn't have to wait three to four years to get his guys in and, and hit the recruiting trail and then wait for them the freshmen that he recruited to turn into juniors and those juniors are finally strong enough to compete with the other guys. They can get guys today. And same thing with Ohio State when when they got to go and they got to rebuild their defensive line, they can get guys and they could they could have it fixed next year. They don't have to wait three more years for this to get done, you know. So and I and I think that the coaches and this is not a shot. I think coaches like Marcus Freeman and 
um, Sark over in Texas, they're they're sweating a little bit with their because they're big brands mm-hmm. with tons of options to be able to get guys in. And now, like you, USC has put teams on the map and said, "You got to get your ducks in a row, and you got to do it quick." <laughs> well, Marcus Freeman's a first year in, head coach. In oh, in in his defense as well, he kind of took over like a shot. Like Lincoln Riley, this is this will probably never happen again, where you have mm-hmm. a prospect like Caleb Williams being baked into your recruiting class, like you're transferring over with him. And and Marcus Freeman has to he had to take over a surprise like. Oh, now you're the head coach because Brian Kelly ended up taking a job, and there was a little bit of time whether we we didn't know whether it was going to be him or not. So, this is now his year to kind of start putting those guys in. I would say. Mm-hmm. One thing on cool. USC's cool. recruiting, by the way, yeah, uh, they do have a uh, another five star in their pipeline, but they're only the thirteenth best recruiting class. Get I the, never I, I bring that set up like again. Top five. I'm so never bring those stats up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They never transfer over for it. Yeah, I know it works on them, not me. <laughs> Does that include? <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're gonna do well in the transfer portal, though. So, like, the the talent yeah. rankings are gonna show somewhere that they're getting the people that they need. I'm sure from this off season, the transfer portal stats show that USC got the five star talent. You know, I, I'm sure. Yeah, they were up. they were number one in the transfer portal. According to two four seven, do you like transfer portal rankings? Or, yeah, I'll take those. Or is yeah, that... no, I'll take those. <laughs> okay. Here's what you got to do if you if you're looking for a team, you're like man, we need talent. Go to Ohio State, talk to the backup, and say you want to play play a little bit more, and they're gonna come out and they'll be the next great, you know, the next best thing since sliced bread. Ohio State's backups, they're all t- all time backup team, probably one of the best teams in the nation. So there you go. You just find the backups over there and take them. Is it- is Miami in the same uh, vein as USC? In terms Not of historically, job. I would say. Okay, but... so Mario Cristobal gets a pass. Yeah, mm-hmm. slightly. He gets he gets think, the three to four year plan. At Miami, well, oh, is Miami a big time program? Like in the eyes, they were in the eighties. They're like on the same yeah. level as like Texas A and M for me, where it's like you're mm-hmm. definitely there and you're big, and I would be like I'd recognize your logo on a t shirt, but. I don't know if I would. I, I don't know if I would be like, close wow, like, like a you USC. know, you got to get it going. <laughs> I yeah, I think they're closer to a USC than an A and M. What? Our A and M is never actually you a closer to a thing, USC. Because right? like, <laughs> we've talked about this before, but A and M hasn't actually achieved anything. Like they're a big name, they have a huge stadium, a ton of fans, but like, what do they have to show for it? Miami was what actually Miami good in the nineties. They were like a super no, legit 80s, team yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, eighties, nineties, right? Early two thousands like too. They had a time. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Williams and you know all that. Like, yeah. I don't know. They they had serious success to kind of back up. And I understand. You know, maybe they're approaching the far awayness of Nebraska. You know, I. I don't know where <laughs> maybe, Nebraska yeah. falls in yeah, this. Maybe. Um, at a certain point, yeah, the past isn't enough. But I don't know. Miami still feels like a sexy location for like I don't know getting oh, yeah. recruits. You'd rather whatnot. go there than yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska, or whatever, oh, wherever the, Omaha, wherever the heck. I think it's in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. It is in Lincoln. Yeah. I think you're right. I watched. You know, I know that. I watched the movie Yes Man recently, and he's in, he ends up saying yes to going to Nebraska, and they end up in Lincoln, and they go to a Nebraska game. That's how I know because I watched it like a week ago. <laughs> Making the connection. Yeah, there you go. It always comes out. 
By the way, speaking of predictions that were right at the start of the season with Notre Dame, I believe Bart pr- predicted we would go eight and four. Mm-hmm. And when I, I said also... we were going to lose to Stanford, you laughed at me. Okay, yeah. So on <laughs> oh, that note, I that. on that note, I said Stanford would only would finish with three wins, which I was correct about. But I thought we would not be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, oh, yeah, David Shaw stepped down, right? Yeah, yeah he coach, did. Yeah. For Stanford. That's all. That's, he got what he wanted. He crossed that off his bucket list. Beat, <laughs> win three. I mean, games he's been beating beat. us for years. So yeah, I did. You know what? Saw that on Twitter too. People were like, "It's not going to be as fun if he's not there," because <laughs> he's always beating us. But oh well. Uh, Bart, oh, let's no, throw this. The USC, the USC <laughs> rivalry is actually like a good, should be hopefully a good rivalry now. It hasn't really been since we've been since I've been a fan. It's well, been a really big little brother each year. <laughs> huh? Now you, you guys are the little is- brother. You guys are beneath them. Yeah, for mm-hmm. the, for the year. Next year we got him at home, baby. Get Cade McNamara. You got him. Yeah. Uh, Bart, let's throw this to you. Is Caleb Williams the Heisman favorite after this week? Absolutely. In fact, if they win against Utah, he's a lock. I mean, he's already kind of a lock. I looked up the odds. Minus twenty five hundred, which is equivalent <laughs> to a ninety six percent chance. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Uh, and it's like, it's, it makes sense. I don't, I don't want to badger this home too much, but like his numbers are excellent. 34 touchdowns to three picks is wild. He leads, or he, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he's tied for the lead in total touchdowns. And I wanted to point this out. He's tied with Austin Reed of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, if that tells you anything. So one <laughs> of them plays in a Bush League conference. The other plays in the CUSA. <laughs> um, but then also like, he's super boosted by the fact <laughs> I, I couldn't help it, Jared. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he's obviously boosted by the fact that they're going to make the playoffs. Because like, if they do, then like Hendon Hooker would have had a, an argument, but he got hurt, so he, I think his odds are dead. Uh, and then like C.J. Stroud obviously has been really good, but I don't think he's been as good. And then if you look at the, the best players on the other playoff teams, like it's not going to go to Max Duggan. It's not going to go to Stetson Bennett. You could give it to George's defense if you could do that. And then Blake Corum has been really good, but I don't think he's going to overcome quarterback bias. So, yeah, I think it's Caleb Williams' is to lose. Blake Horm, too, was injured, right? For most of the Michigan-Ohio State game, too. Right? I feel like that's got to, like, yeah. hurt his candidacy a bit, too. Yeah. Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. I mean that not, not as, like, not to be hyperbolic. He is that good. And I think that Caleb Williams is the generational prospect that we've been looking for to stick that actual label on trevor lawrence hasn't obviously has not impressed any of us here on this podcast but i think caleb williams is in fact he's the andrew luck he's what patrick mahomes is today and i think that that's not disrespectful to patrick mahomes he's one he's the greatest quarterback we've ever seen but caleb williams is like a fantastic level prospect coming out of college right now it's it's insane he really does look like Mahomes, though, on certain plays, creating like something out of nothing, finding his way, you know, out of the yeah. pocket, and just, like lengthening the play before he finds somebody. You like, you don't see that that often. It just, yeah, it feels special. Yeah, like I said, very frustrating when he's playing against your team. Yes. To watch. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, you know what else is special? This podcast. We're gonna wrap this episode up. 
but we are looking forward to seeing you uh, later this week. We're going to have some NFL talk for you. As always, uh, you can find us on social media, lunchpailguys underscore. Um, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.